Hey, I'm Michael Woodley, pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're gonna dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word. Well, today is going to be a little different. We're not jumping into a minor prophet. You can say amen. That was rude. But we're going to talk briefly, kids, about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Is where we're going to be today. And we're going to talk about briefly about what does it mean that we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so kids, uh, today you're going to come with me on this journey as we really kind of dig in for a moment here what that verse means. Now, as you're turning there, a couple of things that I do want to mention um, uh, a cool thing that did take place as well as a part of VBS is we had a special birth uh, in our church family. Uh, James Michael Finn was born this week to Caleb and Anna Finn. Uh, you see sweet little baby up there. That means that we now officially get to call Mark Finn Grandpa. And uh, now i got to be honest, a lot on our staff, we've been calling him Grandpa for a long time. Uh, just because he's, you know, getting to be one of the older ones on our staff now. But now it's official. And so uh, we just know that you guys would want to celebrate with Mark and Ann Finn and Ralph and Jennifer Calhoun. Uh, and, and for the parents, Caleb and Anna. And just so excited for their baby to ca came early. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, they're living in Mississippi now, uh, Caleb and Anna. Uh, but actually... She was here visiting and had the baby while they were here. So I know they're excited to have a Louisiana baby instead of a Mississippi baby. Amen? amen. There's an amen, right? And so you guys make sure and pass on your congrats to, uh, to those families. Uh, and, and somewhat connected to that, um, obviously on Friday was a historic, historic day in our country. And uh, as we saw the decision, uh, that's right, absolutely, we will applaud that. As we saw the decision, which has been a 50-year journey to overturn Roe versus Wade. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to speak to it in detail today because it's family day and we got a lot of kids in the room. Um, but I, I, I could not uh, go without saying something of just rejoicing in that decision that was made. And as I said a while back, uh, for the church, this is not a time to grandstand. Uh, this is a time for us to re-up our commitment. As so many of you have been committed in this journey for life through foster care and adoption and so many different avenues where we're able to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this area. And so uh, just grateful for that. Let's talk about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Now, just a reminder for you, Paul's writing this book to uh, the church in Ephesus. These are people that he loves, people that he has spent time with. Uh, in chapter 1, he's going to talk a lot about our identity of what it means for us to be in Christ, to be in Christ. And then at the beginning of chapter 2 is one of the most famous, I think, passages that we find in the Bible where Paul is describing to us the nature of our salvation. That means, that word salvation means to be saved. To be saved from what? Well, the Bible says that we all have a sin problem. That sin is the things that we do in our life that go against what God calls us to do. And the, the, the wages of that, what we earn because of that is separation from God, right? It is spiritual death. That means it's a bad place to be. And so in chapter 2, as Paul's writing to this church, he says, listen, all of us were dead. Say dead. We were dead. That means no life, no chance, no hope. We were dead in our trespasses. 
right? That, again, that's speaking of sin. We were dead in our sin. We had no hope. We had no chance, no future. When it came to our relationship with God, we were dead in our trespasses. But then we see this beautiful picture of the mercy of God. It says, but, but we are now made alive. Say alive. We're made alive. We are made alive. How? By the mercy of God. It says God who being rich, that means having a bunch of it, being, uh, having abundance of it, who's rich in mercy. That means to, uh, to not give us what we deserve. But God, being rich in mercy, has now made us alive in Christ Jesus. And so he is laying out for us the gospel, the reality that we were dead in our trespasses. But God, who's rich in mercy, has now made us alive in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to tell us exactly what that looks like. He says, it is by grace. Say grace. Grace. Good. By grace you have been saved. Grace, that means to receive something you didn't deserve or you didn't earn. By God's grace, by his unmerited, unearned kindness towards us, it is by grace that we have been saved from that sin, and it tells us that it is by faith. It's by faith. It's not by doing. It's by trusting. It's entrusting in what he has done for us in his work on the cross, in his death, burial, and resurrection. So it is by God's unmerited kindness towards us that by faith we put our faith in him. And it says that this is a gift of God. It is God's gift to people that he loves to save them from their sin and to restore that friendship with him. That it is by grace that we're saved through faith. And it goes on to say that it's not by works so that nobody can boast. And in that place, it brings us to verse 10 where he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. It's so nice that when Paul was writing this sentence, he broke it into three parts for preachers like me who can tell it to you in three parts. He begins by saying that we are his workmanship. We're his workmanship. Kids, that word workmanship, it means to build something, to make something. And when he tells us at the very beginning that we are his workmanship, what is interesting, that when Paul is writing this out, he's writing it not in English, but he's writing it in Greek. And when he writes it, he begins this sentence with the word his. His is the very first word that Paul writes in this sentence when he was originally writing it. Why is he doing that? Because he wants you to understand who made you. Who is the result of who you are and what God has done in your life? It is him. He says, his, for you, workmanship. That's the way that Paul writes it. I know that sounds funny to us, but Paul is wanting to put the emphasis on us that when we think about being made, the emphasis is it was him. He did it. He made us. What does that mean for us today, kids? Why is that important to recognize that we are his workmanship? We are his handiwork. Two reasons, two things that's significant about that. One, it helps us to give the credit in the right place, right? It's his workmanship. Everything that we are, everything that we have, everything we experience, everyone he gives us to love, all of those things are a result of God's work in our lives. So understanding that we are his workmanship, it helps remind us who gets the credit, and it's all him. But the second thing it does is it speaks to our value. 
We are his workmanship. The Bible says that humanity, that includes you, that humanity is unique from all other creation because the Bible says that we are created in the image of God, in his likeness. You know what that means, kids? It means regardless of what you do, regardless of how talented you are, regardless of how smart you are, regardless if you're tall or you're short, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do. It means that right now in this moment, you have incredible value. Adults, am I right in that? Say amen. amen. Kids, you have incredible value because you're his workmanship. And as one of our pastors this week, Justin Clark, who some of you got to hear Justin a couple of weeks ago at our Fairbanks campus, he said, as we were talking about this passage, you know, as I think about it, you look at the Bible, everything God ever creates is good, right? And we are his workmanship. I want you to imagine that you got a phone call from your best friend. And they said, hey, I know it's Sunday afternoon. We got some free time. I want to invite you to go to an art show with me over in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, some of you right now, you're going, nope, that ain't my best friend. He would never invite me to an art show, right? But you think, God, go to an art show or an art exhibit over in Jackson. Now, some of you, you're empty nesters and a reason to get out of the house, you're for it. So you're going, right? Some of you, you love art, and so at the mention of an art exhibit, you're like, yeah, I'll go check it out. I'll go experience it. For some of you, you could say, hey, come to this art exhibit, and I'll give you a million dollars. And you're like, no, nah, I've got some things to do today, right? But listen, imagine your friend calls you and says, hey, I want you to go with me to this art exhibit in Jackson. It's an art exhibit by Michelangelo. Now, most of you in here would not consider yourself to be an art expert, but most of you in here understand that name, don't you? And while Michelangelo, while, while these people in Jackson couldn't bring the Sistine Chapel over, the sculpture of David over, let's just imagine that they had brought some works of art from Michelangelo over. And as you're trying to consider, should I go to Jackson to this art show, when you hear the name Michelangelo, there's something that goes, man, that dude's like, like an artist, like, like a pretty big deal. Like, when am I ever going to get to see works of art by Michelangelo? Like, okay, I might go. Now, let's imagine the exact same scenario. Your friend calls you, art exhibit in Jackson. Hey, we're going to go over and see some works. Okay, who are you going to go see? It's some works by Michael Wood. <laughs> I don't understand why you're laughing. I'm an incredible artist. No, I have no, I have no artistic ability whatsoever, okay? I'm not an artist. And even if I did consider myself to be an artist, you're laughing because you understand that my artistic ability, Michael Wood and Michelangelo, we are in two completely different spheres, right? What does that show us today? It shows us that the designer gives value to the design, doesn't it? You would go to Jackson to see Michelangelo, and because you're rude, you wouldn't go to Jackson to see my work, would you? You're like, Michael, I wouldn't go across town to see your work, and you're probably right. But listen, kids, senior adults, we're his workmanship. And the same God that would create day by day and look on his creation and say it's good, he looks on your life and sees the value of you. You have incredible value. You are his workmanship. 
And then Paul's going to use a word that's very similar to that word workmanship, and he's going to say created. Say created, kids. Yeah, I like it. I heard it really good over here. Let's try this side of the room. Say created, kids. I like it. Good. Created. He says not only are we his workmanship, but we are created in Christ for good works. Now, I've already told you that Paul likes to use that word in Christ Jesus. All right? And we see him use it again here in verse 10. We are created in Christ Jesus. What is interesting is that when he uses this word created, it's the word that is used in the New Testament speaking back about Genesis chapter 1 and creation. In the Old Testament, in Genesis, when it's talking about God creating, it uses the word, this is a fun word to say, ex nihilo. That's a Hebrew word that means to create from nothing, to create from nothing. So the idea there is not that you would have a bunch of parts of a watch and you would put them together like Legos to make a watch. It means that you would have nothing on the table in front of you and all of a sudden you've created a watch. You see the difference there? In that same idea, it tells us that for believers in Christ, we are created in Christ Jesus. We know Paul's going to say in another place that we are a new creation. That when we come to faith in Christ, when we express our faith, our trust in him, it tells us that the old is gone and the new has come. There is a new person now in Christ Jesus. It's why today you heard Dustin up there in the baptistry with those young men and you heard Evan with Anna up there as she was baptized. You heard them say the phrase, buried with Christ in baptism. It's one of the gifts that God has given us in the ordinance of baptism for us to be reminded of what Jesus did in his body being lowered into the grave in the same way our bodies are lowered into the water. You are buried with Christ in baptism. And then they say, you are raised to walk in what? The newness of life. That's right. You are raised to walk in the newness of life. Now, we've said it time and time again, but to remind you, that water up there is just good old Washtenaw Parish water. It ain't fancy, holy, magical water. It's just water. What they're doing is demonstrating outwardly the inward decision they've made to follow Jesus. Okay? But it's a picture for us that when we, when, when just like Jesus' body went into the ground and he rose again, that when we come to faith in Christ, our old selves, where we're living for ourselves and not for God, it is buried. But then, because we're created in Christ Jesus, the old God and the new come, we are raised to walk in the newness of life. So we are in this new person, and notice what Paul says here. Let me tell you what he doesn't say. Created in Christ Jesus by good works. He doesn't say that, does he? What does he say? Four. Four good works. It's the understanding, as one commentator says there, that Paul helps us understand that in God's redemption for us, he is not just redeeming us so that he can have people. He is redeeming us for activity. It's the understanding that when we come to faith in Christ, it is not simply about praying a simple prayer, putting a get out of hell free card in our pocket and going about our lives. It's the understanding that being buried in Christ and raised to walk in newness of life, it comes with an opportunity and a responsibility to live our lives for something that will matter for all of eternity. I remember when I was in high school and I got my first, well, my first, my only, my letter jacket. You remember those days? How many of you in here, how many of you in here, adults, how many of you, you still have your letter jacket? 
Yeah, it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. And, you know, I would have my letter jacket, and, of course, I had all those patches on it. Well, let's be honest. I had that patch on it, right? <laughs> Second team, all district, honorable mention, B team, right? But, but I, I had that patch on there, right? And, you know, you would wear that around with pride, wouldn't you? Now, adults, if you're still wearing around with pride, we need to come have a counseling session, all right? But, but you would wear it around with pride because, because it was showing something off, Right? I'm a part of the team. I'm a part of the school. I'm a part of belo- I'm part that belongs. But you understand there's a big difference in a letter jacket and a uniform, right? If you're wearing the uniform, it comes with the responsibility that you're a part of this team and you're going to give yourself to this team to help us accomplish our goals. And listen, I just want to be very clear with you, not just for the kids in the room, not just for the students in the room, but for the adults in the room. I believe for some people, especially in the Western church, they believe that they're buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a newness of life, and they are real quick to put on a letter jacket, but they never put on a uniform that says, let's get to work. And Paul's clear here that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And when he says good works, I'm not just talking about being a good citizen. I'm not just talking about watering your neighbor's plants. I'm not just talking about being involved in our community. Listen, those are good things, and we should do those things. But the idea idea here when he says good works is godly works. You're living your life intentionally to make an impact in other people's lives in a way that it points to Jesus. This is why Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, that we would let our light shine before men, what? So that they may see our good works and glorify God who's in heaven. Right? So we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And the last thing that he says here is this, that God has prepared ahead of time for us to do, right? And to do for his purpose, This is significant for us because it's not just that we're born into a new creation to figure this thing out, but it's to understand that God in his sovereignty, God in his control of all things, knows who you are, knows how you're gifted, knows the passions and experiences that you have. And then he has created us not just for good works, but he has laid those good works out for us. And as Paul actually writes here more literally, not just for us to do, but it says for us to walk in. It means to get up off the bench and to walk in and to begin to live out what God has for you. Now, I want to give you guys a demonstration today of how significant this is. All right, so I've got some volunteers that are going to join me. Matt Turpin, Matt, are you here? If you're not, this is going to get off. Hey, there's Matt and Keydrian. Are you here? Where's Key at? Key, come on up here. All right, here you go. I'll take those. Come on up here. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Key, you doing all right? Matt, you doing all right? All right. So I need you're going to start by holding these, okay? All right. <clears throat> you're doing great. All right. So we're going to imagine kind of two stations, if you will, all right? This station over here is the dentistry station, all right? So this station, what I need done at this station over here, Key, is I need you, I'm going to need you, you don't have to do it yet, I'm going to give you some time to think through it, all right, get it in order. I'm going to need you to identify the eight different type of teeth that are in that model right there. There's eight different types, all right? So I'm going to need you to name all eight of them, all right? Now listen, I know we've got Dr. Bostic, Dr. Shepard, Dr. Foster, and probably some other dentists out here, but you can't use their help today, all right? Okay. 
You ain't getting off easy. I can do that. All right, Matt, here's what I need you to do. A backflip. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Do you, do you remember when I was laughing, or they were laughing at me when I talked about art? Right. They're laughing at you now, all right? All right, so I'm going to go talk to him. You figure out the backflip, all right? Key. Eight different types of teeth in there. All right, gotcha. What do you got? Small, very small, <laughs> large, very large, extra large, extra, extra small. <laughs> That's all I got. Give it up for Key. Good work. Now, I just want to know, you didn't get it right, but he did attempt it, didn't he? Keep working, man. I, what? I said, I have to keep working. I can't injure myself up here. I understand. So I can identify the teeth. All right, let's do this. Key, why don't you set, set the teeth down over there? You can just set them on the ground. Matt, go over there. Key, come over here. All right, you hang tight. All right, do you, do you need to hold it or are you good? I'm good. All right. The eight types of teeth? Eight types of teeth that are in this model right here. Right. Well, you got your, your, your maxillary teeth on top, the molars, the maxillary premolars, maxillary canines and the maxillary incisors and then uh, of course the mandibular on the bottom the mandibular molars premolars canines and incisors i mean that's what it is all right now again i don't i don't know if dr bostic dr shepherd or dr foster are here if they are i see dr shepherd up there did he do good is he good all right we got the thumbs up i need a backflip key All right. I don't, I don't want to hear the teeth another time. I don't need to hear the teeth. Can we see it one more time? Y'all want to see it one more time? Come on, Key. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you. Y'all give it up. Good work, fellas. Awesome. Key, that was incredible. Man, I'm glad you studied at dental school because that was, that was great. But listen, <clears throat> here's the reality. I'm guessing there's very few of us in here that can do a backflip, right? And I'm guessing that there's very few of us that can name the eight different type of teeth that are in our mouths. But here's the reality. There is a station for every single one of us. Every single one of us. For some of us, it's... A hospitality station. How to be hospitable in our neighborhoods in such a way that our neighbors feel really cared about and loved. And God has wired you in that way. And that where for me, I would not be great at that. But you have that gift. For some of you, it is in your vocation that God has given you the ability to excel in whatever it is in your vocation. Understand, God has not gifted you in that vocation simply for you to make a lot of money. He's gifted you in that because there are good works that he has prepared ahead of time for you for his purpose. One of the lessons that we looked at this week, kids, you may remember this, <clears throat> was about when Jesus was going to ride into Jerusalem. Do you remember that story? Remember when we talked about that? 
In fact, the craft that we did that day was the little donkey, right, that with Jesus on it, and it had uh, adults, uh, if you weren't volunteering, you weren't there, uh, we, we made this, um, this little donkey out of, I forgot what the stuff's called, but with Jesus on it, and then it had wheels, and you could actually pull it back and let it go, and it would like, you know, like race forward on its own. Of course, my son was the one who accidentally put it backwards, so Jesus rides the donkey backwards into Jerusalem, <laughs> the very high rate of speed. But what I love about that story is not, I mean, obviously the main point of that story is that Jesus is going to go in and he's going to go into Jerusalem and for the first time in such a public way is going to declare, listen, I am the Messiah. And riding on the donkey is actually, we're going to see next week in the book of Zechariah, it was been pointed for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that the Messiah would come riding on a donkey on the colt. And it was not just that Jesus was going to do that, declaring to Israel, yes, I am the promised one. But in how all of that unfolded, and kids, you, you remember the story, right, where he told his disciples to go into the next town and that there would be a donkey that was waiting for him. And the disciples were to go and to say that the master needs it, the Lord needs it, and they would say, okay, and that you were to bring the donkey back. And, and I love that because we see in this significant moment that Jesus is going to have riding into Jerusalem, we see the sovereignty, the handiwork of God laying out his plan to restore his people. And so kids, I want you to hear today that if Jesus can do that with a donkey, he can do it with a preacher. And he can do it with every single person in this room and those that are watching by TV or online that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, for godly works, which God prepared ahead of time for us. Kids, students, adults, God has made a way for you to know him, to be restored into a friendship with him, and to not just settle to put on a letter jacket, but to understand he has plays for you to run. And I pray that we would run in them. Would you bow your heads with me today? I just want to give you a moment. For some of you, you need to, today to respond by faith to what Jesus has done for you. You've heard me today say the reality of our condition is that we are dead in our sin and our trespasses. And the only hope that we have to experience life as God intended us to live it. It is by faith, it is by trusting in him and receiving the gift of his unmerited kindness towards us. And that while you and I, while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. Some of you today, adults in the room, you're sitting here in this moment and you don't know with certainty that there's ever been that moment that you've received in your life what Jesus did for you. And today, right now in this moment, you don't need to worry about anything else but turning your heart, turning your attention to God and saying, God, I want you to come into my life and I want you to forgive me of my sin. And today, God, I believe, Jesus, that you died, that you were buried, and that you rose again. And today, I want to put my trust in you. Today, I'm ready for that old man to be buried and to be raised in the newness of life as a new creation created in Christ Jesus. 
some of us today, although today has been kind of targeted more to our kids and celebrating what God did at VBS, you've been reminded today that you have been created for good works, but you found yourself on the bench. And today the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart. He's saying, man, in these things that he has prepared ahead of time for me, for for how he's gifted me and how he's wired me and the passions that I have and the place that I live and all those things. I've just been on the bench and today the Spirit of God's given you that gentle nudge that just says, get back in the game. Father, today, man, we just celebrate all that you've done this week. We know when we look at the Gospels and Jesus, we see that, that firsthand account of when you walked among your creation. And Jesus, we know that you came to, to pay the price for our sin, but God, in your coming, and Jesus, in your coming, you, you also showed us what God was like. We got to see it, experience it. And in that, we see a life that was given for others. And so Lord, today, I, I pray For those here that need to respond by faith to you, that today would be that day, that they would call on the name of Jesus, that they would no longer be dead in their trespasses, but because of God who is rich in mercy, they would now be made alive by faith. And Lord, for those that have made that decision, God, that we would be reminded today that we were created in you. We are a new person with a new opportunity and a new responsibility before us and that we would walk in that way. Help us to be passionate. Help us to be faithful in the good, godly works that you have prepared ahead of time for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here in just a moment, we're going we're to wrap up our time together and we're going to be sent back into our community, into our workplaces to go see to it to live out the good works that he has for us. Before we do that today, several things I want to give you. Uh, number one, if you're here today and you prayed to receive Jesus, you know today's the day that you need to do that. Uh, I want to invite you to come to our connect room. You see the door right out here uh, to my right, to your left. You go out that door and take a quick right. You'll see a room. It's got a glass wall. We've got some friends that are in there. We'd love to talk with you about what it means to know Jesus. Maybe you've got a spiritual need in your life. Maybe today you've seen the example of these young men and Anna as they followed through in baptism and you know that you've never walked in obedience and being baptized. We'd love to talk with you about what that means. Maybe today you're a guest with us today. Thanks for being our guest. We don't normally have people do backflips on Sundays. You'll never see me do one, I can tell you that. Uh, But today you've seen the heartbeat of our church. You've seen that we care about the next generation and we want to lift high the name of Jesus. And you say, you know what? Uh, Maybe this is a place that I want to be my church home. We'd love to talk with you about that in our connect room. I want to remind you today, so we've been to celebrate all that God has done through VBS this year. That only happens because of the faithfulness of God's people investing in eternity. And so I want to remind you today as a form of worship and to celebrate what God's done in VBS, you'd be faithful in your giving. There's a lot of different avenues that you can do that through the app, through online. You can text First West to 833-466-2370. Or there's blue buckets by the door on your way out. So you can, on your way out, you can drop that in. But hear me, we don't get to do things like VBS if the people of God aren't giving sacrificially and faithfully to the Lord. So thank you. If you're a giver, 
Today, you're able to celebrate in a unique way because you've been a part of investing in what's happened in these homes, at these schools, in these parks, in these apartment complexes. You're a part of it. And so thank you for that faithful giving. Let's keep it going. I'm going to invite Dustin to come up here one more time as he's coming up. Kids, I want to remind you, and parents, you can be mad at me if you want, but I don't care. All right? We got popsicles. Yeah. Yeah. The students were the loudest one. Shocking, right? <clears throat> and, and they also get these really cool t-shirts. That's right. So kid, not the students, right? Or do they? No. Kids first. They, they may probably fit in some of yeah. these. If you can fit by like a 6-8, maybe you can have one, all right? But the t-shirts are going to be available out yeah. in the first floor lobby as well as our popsicles are going to be available by the exit by our fourth street right here in the lobby as That's well. That's right. So if you want a popsicle, right? Kids, if you want a popsicle, you go out uh, the lobby that way uh, to the door out there. We'll have a popsicle. And adults, too. And adults, too. We Mm -hmm. got them for everybody. We got them for everybody. You're much nicer than I am, Dustin. So (laughs) we want to let you know that. Hey, last thing we want to do is we want to celebrate what God has done. We did this last year, and I just think it's so fun to do. So we got some confetti cannons right over there and right over here. And kids, there's only one way we can set off these confetti cannons. And that's by saying the memory verse as loud as we possibly can. All right? Hey, I think the the adults need to help us too. All right. Adults, can you help us out? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Are we ready? We got to say it loud. Mr. Dustin, lead us. All right, everybody. First of all, let's stand to our feet. Let's read God's word. And here we go. For we, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Ephesians 2.10. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope, again, that you were encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just wanna extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need. And I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc or you can call the church, 318-322-5104. And we would love to help you in what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.